swimming legend Shirley Babishoff. Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Hula, Around the Rings editor, and this is the latest edition of ATR Radio. Our guest today is arguably one of the most important Olympians of the 20th century. Shirley Babishoff might deserve that description alone for her command of the sport of swimming in the 1970s. As a 15-year-old, she competed in her first Olympics in 1972, winning her first gold medal. In 1976, she was back at the Olympics facing extraordinary competition from East Germany. Swimmers and other athletes from the former German Democratic Republic are now known to have been victims of a state-sponsored program of doping that lasted for generations. Babishoff, a 19-year-old at the time of the Montreal Games, did not hide her suspicion that something was going on with the East German swimmers. She turned her back on swimmers from the former communist country. She made comments to the media that betrayed her suspicion that the Germans were up to no good. East Germany cleaned up at the 1976 Games. Babishoff won four silver medals while the Germans won the gold. But Shirley Babishoff and her teammates wrote a page in the annals of Olympic history when they beat East Germany for the gold in the freestyle relay. Described as one of the greatest races ever in swimming, Babishoff the anchor. She retired soon after Montreal and eventually settled into a career with the U.S. Postal Service. But she's never forgotten the injustice of her days as a swimmer competing against the juiced-up Germans. She's campaigned for the records to be expunged with clean swimmers taking their place. She's recounted the era of her swimming prowess in a new book, Making Waves, published by Santa Monica Press, co-authored by Chris Epting. And she is with us today. Shirley Babishoff, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's really an honor. And you are we're speaking to you from... From Fountain Valley, California, in Southern California, which is where essentially you grew up and you learned everything about swimming. You've not strayed too far from where you, your roots. No, it's, the, it's kind of the weather, I think, that keeps me here. <laughs> would, you, would you have gotten into swimming if you had lived in a cold place? I mean, the warm weather certainly contributed to your... Oh, absolutely. We were always, you know, um, as children, we were always at the beach or, you know, we'd go on vacation, we'd be at lakes or pools and, you know, the water was just, it's just so attractive here and everyone's always in it. So, yeah, I'm sure it helped, you know, um, forward my career in swimming. There's there's a difference between swimming and swimming 20 miles a day, which is what you were doing at the peak of your at your career, what what made you decide that you really like to exert yourself, to push yourself that hard? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> it just kind of developed, I think. Um, I I just loved being in the water, and then my mom just decided that since we're in the water so much, we might as well learn how to swim. So um, we started doing swimming lessons, and then. We got into competitions. This my my older brother and I got into competitions, and I just liked winning. I just liked the competition of. I always liked any kind of competition. I'm still kind of like that. I'm real competitive. I mean, I'll 
even like going into the grocery store, I'll try to push my shopping cart faster than someone else. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of weird. I think it's just an ingrained thing. But, um, you know, once you get into it and you start winning and going to all these competitions, it's just kind of like a family um, environment. And it's just re- – it was really, really fun for me. Um, so, you know, going to all these places and stuff made it really enjoyable. Family played a role in your in your development in your life. Obviously, your father was a swimming coach. Your your mother brought you to a lot of meets. Was that part of the dy- dy- dynamic there? Yeah. Well, eventually, it was like my older brother and me, and then my younger brother. So my it was the thing my mom did. She took us to practices when we were younger, and then on the weekend, it, the whole weekend, you're at a swim meet and it's like around here you can find a swim meet almost every weekend so um that's what's really good about growing up in southern california is that there's always a pool and always a competition somewhere so um that really helped out um reading in the book uh parts of it were difficult for you to write you say uh because you talk about some of the challenges the difficulties you faced with your family, some 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 revelations in the book about your father and and, and molestation. Um, is that is that hard to come to grips with and tell people about? Um, yeah, it is in a way. Um, gosh, I mean, it is obviously, but it's something that I've realized happens a lot, and. There hasn't been a person that I've talked to that doesn't have has ha, hasn't had anybody that they know that this happened to or it's happened to them. And I just I just feel it's really kind of an epidemic in our society. And I think, you know, when it happened to me back in the sixties and the seventies early seventies, well not really in the seventies, um it was these people didn't know there was going to be an internet and what was going to happen and how their how their futures were going to be and I, I think they think they're going to get away with it but um, yeah it's kind of like freeing to talk about too because people I think when this happens to them they feel alone and to know that someone else can talk about it um, I think makes them feel better and you mentioned the way it. It, it does, it is a problem in the past with swimming. You hadn't had any problem with instructors and coaches and that sort of thing, but it has cropped no. up and it's still, is it still a problem to be addressed in the sport? Um, I'm sure it is, but um, it's like anything else. I think people need to speak out and um, acknowledge that these people exist and maybe, you know, that way we can kind of nip it in the bud. But it's it's such a, like, shameful feeling that people don't want to talk about it. And I think it should be, you know, especially young children be, t- being told that it's okay to say something. Um, and, you know, we have to start somewhere. In, in your book, you talk about the popularity of swimming in the 1970s. Do you think it's still that way for young people? Oh, my gosh, yes. Go to a swim meet. (laughs) I went to, you know, I I talked to some kids at the high school, um, the Fountain Valley High School and Edison High School were having a swim meet, and that's like big rivals here. 
And there are so many kids still into it. And I went to Mission Viejo and just the, I think it's just as popular now than it ever was. It's such a good sport for kids. Um, I was talking to one lady the other day and it was funny. She goes, she goes, I love having my kids in swimming because they always smell good. <laughs> they, they never... yeah, it's better than like soccer. Your kids get into the car and they're dragging a bunch of dirt or something. Yeah, you're always clean, you know. And it's it's just a, a good sport overall. It's good, you know, um, for cardio and it really really does um, build up your uh, self esteem. You know, being with your coach and your and the other kids on your team, it's like a family. And they're really um, relationships that you take forever. Um, I know I can look back on kids that I swam with when I was 10 and still go like, yeah, I know you, you know, you're, you were my friend and you're still my friend. And it's, it's, it's just, that's a great sport. The Olympics of today are different from the ones you recount in, in, in your book. It is a, uh, a less pressure packed time. It was security was different. It was, it was a different era back, back then. How do you think you'd fit in with the Olympics of today? Oh, man, that is, that is such a good question. It's, I went to the Olympic trials in Omaha, and, you know, there weren't any coaches on the pool deck, and it was more kind of like a show than it was like an Olympic trials. And I don't know, it feels a little um, sterile in a way. It just doesn't have that feeling of... Um, like a group of people going, you know, for the same goal. It was just like a, a production more. And um, I kind of liked it the way that it was for us, but I don't know, maybe the swimmers today like it the way it is. I mean, they come out to the, you know, to the starting blocks and they're wearing headphones and stuff, and I don't even know if headphones were invented when I was swimming. <laughs> but, um, you know, and in between in between the races and stuff, people, the kids are on iPads and iPhones, and it's just a different environment completely. Um, but it's still exciting because of you know the really great swimmers you have out there and stuff. Katie Ledecky and of course you know that Michael guy, and um, it's just exciting and fun to watch them swim because they're so good. Let's talk about uh, the 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 1976 Olympics when you showed up in Montreal after 1972 and were, were pretty much flabbergasted by what you saw from the appearance of your East German competitors. Um, did, did, did you think you had any chance against, against this team, against the competition that was being presented for you from, from East Germany? Well, you know... Um it wasn't just that I showed up in 76 and it was like, boom, here are all these um, creatures. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, they have deep, deep, deep voices. They're okay as long as you like deep voices and mustaches. <laughs> Is that your quote from that era? Oh, my, I can't even believe you just said that. Yes, I think those were my, my exact words. But um, in 72 in Munich, to be honest, with you, I didn't even know that these Germans were there. My my biggest competition there was Shane Gould from Australia. So, um, you know, I went to those Olympics, had a great time. I was 15 years old. It was exciting. It was just an amazing event and experience. And then in 1973, 
is when we noticed these Germans. They had the very first world championships in, in Belgrade, Yugoslavia. And um, we went there, and that's when we first saw these Germans. And they were beating us by 10 seconds and 200 freestyle all of a sudden in one year. So it was definitely apparent that something was happening with them. And during the four years between 72 and 76, we just had to endure what the, the East Germans were saying they were doing to be so good. Um, they were saying they had different swimsuits. They were training at high altitude. Um, they were doing blood tests. So they always had these excuses, but not one of the excuses were, oh, we're taking steroids. We're giving steroids to our, our teenage girls and our pre-teenage girls. So, um, you, you didn't know. believe any of the excuses? No, I didn't because I was training too much. I was training 20 miles a day, and I was so excited to be able to go to these first world championships and show what I had and show, show what my, my new coach, Mark Schubert, had, you know, how great and how strong he had made me. And then when I get there to be just like squashed, like, oh, no, you're, you're, you're not that great. Um, you know, we're going to beat you by, you know, this much in a 200 and a 400. So it was just like um, shocking. That was the first, like, shock of the whole you know, start of the of the doping that we saw, and um, so in those four years, basically what I did is um, I just went and I swam on the boys' team in high school, and I swam on the men's team in college. So I felt like at least I was swimming against the right people <laughs> <laughs> that was going to prepare me to swim against these East German women. You talk- and it it did. I mean. I, you know, I was doing the best times that I've ever, I ever did, but they always had someone new coming up and, um, their, their, um, drug testing and their, obviously what they were doing was just more powerful than I could ever be at that time. In the book, you describe your frustration at the way the media and others dismissed, disregarded your concerns about what was going on with the East Germans. Yeah, they were always, people were always going like, oh, these, these poor, you know, East German girls coming from this communist country, they're such good swimmers and, and, you know, the American girls are just such bad sports and they won't, you know, they won't shake their hands and, you know, fawn over these girls that are like so great at their sport. It's just, it was just odd. It was an odd time. Um, they, I got labeled, you know, Surly Shirley, because, you know, whatever. Um, and <laughs> You're a very upbeat, happy person, it sounds like, not, not <laughs> oh, Shirley yeah. to me. Oh, yeah. It's, it's great to work so hard and then, like, have someone else take your paycheck, you know. <laughs> Since then, you've had the satisfaction of the revelations that what you feared others feared was going on in East Germany was true, and you campaigned to have the records rewritten, not to strip the medals from the East German swimmers, but to change the the, the, the tables, the, the results. Right, which would be so easy to do. And, you know, it's just the fact that 
they admit to cheating. Um, it's been proven they cheated, and the IOC just seems to keep their feet in cement, and they want to turn a blind eye to it. And we're just trying to get all the books changed. You know, I, I don't. I don't see me getting, you know, the rifle medals. That'd be a lot of shuffling of medals around. But at least to be able to tell, you know, when I have grandchildren, you know, that I have six gold medals, you know, instead of six silver medals. And that this happened. It was an event, but it was corrected. And this is 2016. Things like this can be changed. Um, it's not that difficult. You've written and, your, your book includes an open letter to IOC President Thomas Bach asking him to do that. Any, respo right. any response from him yet? Are you expecting anything from the IOC? Um, I would hope so. I'm hoping. I'm a very hopeful person. <laughs> you, receive, you received the Olympic order in 2005 from the IOC for your, uh, for your swimming career and I think as well for your outspokenness your 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 vision on this on this doping issue is is that enough is that is that satisfaction for you oh it's very pretty <laughs> but it's not the same thing as having no, the results it, fixed no not really what's your reaction to the latest scandals involving russia and doping this involving track and field and, and apparently perhaps some some perhaps some swimmers too. That this this state sponsored, if you will, uh, doping still can go on. Um, I I just think it's a shame. People are so interested in winning in a sport that they're going going to go ahead and destroy their bodies. Um, doesn't make sense to me, but I think when you dangle so much money in front of people, people tend to go a little bit crazy on what they do. So um, it, there's got to be some kind of way to, to stop this. Um, just ethic, ethically, to um, it's a sport. The sport is done because you like the sport and you can see how good you're doing. It's not a sport to see how many drugs you can take to beat everyone and make yourself into a machine and perhaps destroy your children's future. I mean, these East German women had children that, you know, were born with club feet, um, have learning disabilities, and that's the only thing that really woke them up. They, they were fine with winning these medals and doing the drugs, but when they had children – they got angry, and they took the coaches and the doctors to court and obviously won. So, um, you know, people have to realize that doing steroids isn't just winning a gold medal or, you know, hitting the most home runs. It's It could be affecting a child's future. So um, I think that's important to know for kids, you know, these days. Would you get into swimming today all over again? Ooh, I've never been asked that question. Um, I, I don't think I could because, like, I'm so so much older now. <laughs> There's no way I could do, like, what I was doing. When I was doing it, it was just, like, my, the way of life for me. I would – it's what I did. I got up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, went to practice, came home, went to school, um, 
practiced after school and then went to practice again at Mission Viejo. So um, it was just what I did, and it was my family. They were my friends. It was um, it was different. But knowing what the stero- how steroids are affecting sports nowadays, that's a good question. I don't know. I just I I did swimming because I love to swim. I didn't do swimming because I needed to win or um, I needed to go to the Olympics. I just like doing the sport. And luckily for me, it ended up where it did. You know, I, I, I like the competition and everything. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I would put, like, if, if I had a grandchild, say, like, put him into sw- – I'd put him into swimming lessons for sure, but I don't know if I'd say, like, you know, you've got to be on a swim team or – or whatever. I think I would just like let them go and see where they wanted to go. But um, there's so many other things to do in life, you know. Um, just do what you enjoy and see where it takes you. That's all. That's really clear from from reading your book, Making Waves, that you really enjoyed enjoyed the sport. You enjoyed the the, the career it it, it, it gave you. Um, why did you write the book at this time? Was there any particular message? you were trying to get across thing you were trying to say um, at this time i it's it's you know that's the question that i know that people are going to say why 40 years later but the thing is like i've had all these stories and all these experiences that i've always wanted to share but they've been up in my head and you know mixed up and i just i needed a little bit help which i got from chris Epstein, who co co-authored the book with me and um and that was just enough to, to what I needed to, to get everything down. I mean, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd have to write something down. Oh, my gosh, I remember this and, and whatnot. And um, there's still more stories. It's not, it's not my whole life. It's probably 10% of my life in this book. But um, And luckily, it was just a great time where, you know, we were almost completed with the book and the Russians, you know, come up with state-sponsored doping and it's all this stuff that was just perfect timing for the book with you know the the documentary the last goal came out uh Mm -hmm. we did not know this was coming out so it's just great timing but it's just a story that never dies and i think it's a good um piece of history even for kids to read i mean kids nowadays you know i talk to six-year-olds seven-year-olds they know what steroids are. I was 16, and I had no idea. I'd never heard that word in my life before. But it kind of, like, opens up their eyes to this isn't, like, the new thing. It's not just what's happening now. It happened 40 years ago. And it was kind of like ground zero in sports. And I think that it's a great book for now. I mean, it's there's no better time for this story to come out. The book is Making Waves. It's published by Santa Monica Press, and it's written by Shirley Babishoff along with Chris Epting. Shirley Babishoff, it's been a real pleasure having you with us today. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be on your show. And this is the latest edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula, ATR editor. Thanks for joining us. Good day. <laughs>